What is up, everybody, and welcome into the All NBA Show, part of the All City Podcast Network. It is good to be back, and I don't just mean just me back uh, from vacation. I mean the NBA back. We had a week off legs. I think everybody almost lost their minds. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Matas. I'm joined by Tim Legler. Legs, we watched some basketball last night. We watched some basketball last night, and I, for me, I, I look at it like this. The NBA season started last night. That's how I felt, and... And look, I know there were still some key guys missing, and we had some really good games on paper that were missing some key guys. I get it. But I just felt like there were really good to great team performances last night, regardless of who they were playing in terms of their yeah. Christmas, how how tight everything was, how hard they were playing. I mean, I thought Phoenix-Dallas, that felt like a later-round playoff game. There were some haymakers thrown in that game. Um uh, Warriors great team performance I thought the Knicks were really really good and again they're playing teams that are shorthanded I get it they're missing some star players that's well that's okay you show up and you play I I can judge a team and how they play and execute regardless of who's on the floor for the other team and I just thought there were some really really clean performances last night out of some of these teams the Thunder too I put in that category no question about it. Thunder, absolutely. And we're going to talk about all those teams and more. Kind of do a quick around the league towards the end. We're going to key in, though, on the Warriors, the Lakers. We're going to key in on the Mavs and Suns uh, and a handful of other games. But we're going to try to talk about as many as we can today before previewing the weekend. Because like you said, Legs, the season kind of picks up in earnest right now. And you really felt it last night with a sense of better execution than we had been seeing better sense of focus, and all those things. So we're going to get into all that. But first, we are presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code ALLNBA. Because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. I want to start here, though, Legs. It was funny watching the games last night and seeing how many guys are coming back very tan, right? And it reminds <laughs> you that for most of these guys, this was a real mental break. And as somebody who just took my own mental break, you know, for the week, it really does make an impact. And that was my first thing. You know, I watched obviously Denver and Washington live last night. Washington, a team going nowhere. They get a break and I almost wonder if it hurt their focus. They came back and looked like a very unfocused team. But for most of the good teams, it did feel like they came back refocused and okay, it's go time. Can you just speak to what it's like coming out of the all-star break when the end is now in sight, 25 games or so? What what is it like for teams coming out of that break? And 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 is there a noticeable intensity as a player where the intensity goes up after the break? Absolutely, without question. It's and it's the best you will feel um since basically the beginning of camp that's the best your body's going to feel and so your adrenaline you have plus you also know at that point you know because you had this week-long reset like there's you have you know 25 game season basically i mean anybody yeah. can wrap their head around that that feels like something i can go out every night and i can play as hard as i can um sometimes 82 is kind of daunting and especially if you get off to a a rocky start and then you get into those cold months in the middle of the season they're hard so you get this break your body feels incredible everybody in the league is sore tight and you get this time off maybe some guys got to warm weather cities um maybe some guys just chilled at home whatever it's just a mental um recalibration and it's so needed and so everybody going into last night that played felt better than they have probably since september yeah. And and maybe even the, I think the mental part of that is probably big as well. Just the mental part of being able to get away from the sport and and kind of re uh, reset your mind, because I think that's a lot of it for the for these guys. It's not just the physical aspects of it. Let's start, though. Lakers Warriors. 
that'll be the first game we kind of get into. This is a very interesting one because it's really for seeding in the play-in. Both of these teams you could see going, you know, climbing. Not, I don't know about climbing all the way out of the play-in, but you could see them climbing up to give themselves a very good chance of getting out of the play-in. Um, they right now, as they sit, twenty-seven and twenty-six losses respectively. To get out of the play-in, you probably got to get up to twenty-three. So that's a, a tough mountain to climb. But both of these teams have a chance to climb in the standing, so it mattered. And yet, coming out of All-Star Weekend. LeBron was a DNP in this one. That's where I start. Very strange to me that LeBron. Adam Freeze. Oh, there you go. I thought you froze up there for a second. So if you asked me a question, uh -huh. I didn't hear it. I apologize. Oh, yeah. My, no, my question was LeBron was not there, you know, missed the game. He's a DNP coming right. off of All-Star Weekend. Is that strange at all to you? A little bit. And he talked about the ankle, right? And so people, of course, immediately go, well, what was he doing over All-Star Weekend? Why was he even there participating? Well, it's a big deal to the league, and it's not exactly taxing what they're doing <laughs> there. So yeah. um, I don't think that's a big deal. He's not going to miss that. But I guess he had some soreness going into All-Star Weekend, and he's, you know, it still felt that way coming out. It's surprising. I was surprised he wasn't out there last night. I mean, most of the guys you don't expect to see the first night after break are – guys that really had injuries that were missing time going into break and that wasn't him so i was surprised by that for sure um took a little bit of something off the game but i i was impressed with golden state like they're just the way that they looked was they understand they don't care what's in front of them you know you got a wounded animal we don't care it doesn't matter we're running over it because right now they got to get wins and they've got to make up for a lot of the things that happened to them earlier in the year they and they lost a lot of close games they've been in more close games than any team in the league and they weren't winning those games they dug themselves a hole a lot of guys underperforming a lot of distractions draymond suspended clay with his struggles there was a lot going on with this team gary payton gets hurt um so they now are, are are rolling a little bit here, and they wanted to keep it going. So for them, they were they would gladly take LeBron not being there right now. They just they just yeah. wanted to get that win, and they were very sharp, very sharp last night. And Curry set the tone. He came out and he he just was running around frenetically when he when he plays that way. He's so fun to watch because you can just tell some nights he's got so much juice in his legs that his running, the amount he's willing to run at the beginning of the game, Adam sets the entire table for their team, and that's exactly what he did. Very first time he touched it, he came off a down screen where he ran from one side of the court to the other as hard as he could, came off a baseline screen, came out to the wing, and caught, turned his hip, and shot it without any hesitation and drained a three. And you could just kind of tell, like, uh-oh. And he had 25 points in the first half, you know, kind of feeding off of that. So uh, Warriors were sharp, Curry especially so at the beginning of the game. Warriors have been sharp now for a handful of games, even coming into the break. I think they had that sense of urgency and knowing that every game matters. Their playoffs kind of start right now, uh, so to speak. But I think there's also something to I'm always curious about which teams look best with rest, you know, because the regular season, there's so much about fatigue and how deep are you in these things. But in the playoffs, you're going to have decent amount of rest and preparation. And so for me, the Warriors have looked really good executing. They've been connected. And then you get a game of a week off rest and it's a blowout win where they play that type of basketball, that brand of basketball, which is what we know them for, where the ball's popping, 32 assists and, you know, connect, playing that connected style. So to me, I feel like that bodes well for this Warriors team, that they're a team that is going to have to struggle to make it to the finish line. But when they get a chance to slow down and rest and prepare, I feel like they have a pretty good punch in them. No, they do. They, like there's, 
everything about them, the way they look with, with their body language and demeanor and confidence level um, is completely changed. It's transformed. And it, that's what winning does, you know, and it's not just winning game here. That's stringing together wins. And that's what they're doing right now. So just everything about what you watched last night um, from the way they played, the intensity with which they played, the, how crisp they were with their decision-making nine turnovers. I mean, Steve Kerr, you will take nine turnovers out of this group every single night. That's an incredibly low number for a team that, yeah. that moves it as much as they do. And traditionally, in the Steph Curry era, they've been sloppy and careless with the ball. It's one of the things that's held them back. They had nine turnovers last night. They out-rebounded a bigger team in the Lakers um, by seven. So they were gang rebounding you know, on the glass, guards coming in, grabbing long rebounds. Um, they looked juiced. And you know what else was different? And look, that building's always great. It was on fire last night. It was electric. And it's because of, like, they're winning, but also the start Curry had. Yeah. Everybody senses that this guy's about to do something special tonight. You can tell early how he looks. He's not bottled up at all, man. He's getting to his spots. He's getting to his step backs, creating space against bigger guys. And then that quick, you know, that quick release. He had a three where Anthony Davis, you know, came out to help on the screen, and he was just not quite out far enough. So Steph just pulled it from 30. You know, it, it, and the, the reaction, just looking at the lower bowl, watching the game on TV, and just looking at how many times people are out of their seats in the first half of the game. It felt like a playoff game at Chase Center. Like, that's what it felt like last night. And and it was it was fun, exciting. Like, they're, they're relevant now. They're relevant. You can't ignore it. They're playing great right now. And they're figuring some stuff out. Look, Clay, second game off the bench. He wasn't very good offensively last night, but I was very impressed with the fact, Adam, he had five assists, which isn't some out, huge number. But it was the ones he That's got good, were like really good assists, like playmaking assists off ball screen, getting downhill and hitting dive guys. Trace Jackson Davis, the top of the list, he, re, he was a recipient right. of two or three of those. And even the beginning of the game, you know, I noticed stuff like this. I'm watching the bench and Clay, like Steph hits his first shot. The whole bench is up. They're all in the warm up still. It's their first shot of the game. Everybody's up. And they're, you know, very demonstrative, including Clay. He's up in the middle of the bench squad, like embracing this thing, man. And no point did he look upset with himself that he was missing shots. Like that's a change because he usually is so frustrated looking when he's missing shots. He didn't last night. He just kept playing. He, it was one for nine from the field, but he did have five dimes, four boards, and he always plays solid defense. So he contributed. Um, and he was okay with it mentally. And I think that's been a drain on their team that's been lifted a little bit too. I noticed that last night. Yeah. The, one of the things that's so important for the teams like the Warriors that like ball movement, that's so important. It's not always making the great pass. It's getting the ball where it's supposed to go quickly, even if right, it's a simple right. pass. And so there's so much of that. And that players like a Clay, a Wiggins, um, you know, Draymond's going to be the guy that's going to be making some of the tougher passes, Steph with some of the tougher ones. But a lot of times it's just, hey, get the ball. And if you're not open, make the decision quick because now you're making the decision for the defense that much quicker. And that's what opens things up. And for me, that's what I've been seeing out of the Warriors for the last couple of weeks is that basic stuff. Just get the ball moving. Go to the next guy because that big opening is right around the corner. Is there I anything else that. you said? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say a couple guys I wanted to include in that because I think it's been a problem for Kaminga. He's always been kind of hesitant with where he's supposed to go next. Like he did, I don't think Kaminga, for most of the, these first few years of his career, had a great feel for what yeah. was coming next offensively. Like, you know, you didn't trust him enough. And so then he would end up trying to do something to make something happen himself because he could do that athletically and maybe get himself off balance or take a bad shot and then he'd be back on the bench. 
he's better at it now. Like understanding, like just you got to just get it to that next jersey that looks like your jersey. You know, it's open, and and that's going to facilitate what comes next. And he's reading that better. Pajemski is another guy that's phenomenal at that. I mean, he's just a winning, smart, high IQ player uh, with great hands. The way he scraps and comes up with anything near him. It's just such an element to your team that promotes winning basketball. So both of those guys, I would also include, it. and Sarge is like that. Like, there's, they're all Sarge, great they're at all, it. Yeah, they're all just getting it to the next guy, man, and just trusting. And then last thing I would say about this game that I noticed the change last night, and it's been upticking over the last seven games. I think Wiggins is averaging around 16 points a game going into last night. So a definite, you know, progress progression forward. Last night was one of the best games I've seen him play all year offensively. He was taking it at guys off the dribble, maintaining like balance, putting his shoulder in somebody's chest multiple times, like banging, banging, getting into the middle of the paint, and then jump stopping. He had a jump hook, he had a short jumper. Like his staying through the possession to get a shot over a smaller guy. That was Andrew Wiggins going back a couple years and they won a championship. You have not seen much of that out of him this year. So that's just another positive sign that he is starting to feel very confident, um, to, which can really certainly offset some of the things that right now you're not getting consistently from Clay Thompson. Wiggins is in a better place offensively than he's been at any time this year, and I think that's given their team a lot of confidence that they can get to the number they need to every night. I'm curious how much of that is – conscious from a player like Wiggins. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of star players who bring it every single night, starting in October. I, I tip my hat. LeBron is one of these guys, you know, when he's playing, he's usually playing hard throughout his career. Steph, they seem to understand the responsibility they have to their team, to the league and everything else. There's oftentimes a lot of secondary and tertiary players who will coast through November, December, January, and then turn it on as you go. And I just wonder with Wiggins, he has been very uninspiring for the last really season. But this year, up until the last month or so, and I just wonder how much of it is conscious with a guy like him, who not necessarily a star anymore, but like, hey, I can get through, and then when it's time, I'll ramp up. And my real season, you know, it's a sprint for me for about three months as opposed to the eight months. I just, I just wonder yeah, if he's one of those guys. Yeah, I think it's fair to question that about him because one of the things that when he came from Minnesota, one of the, one of the big questions was for me was whenever I watch him in Minnesota, I just didn't. I saw a guy that like to me should be like an all-league caliber defender. But he, with his length and athletic ability and, and lateral quickness, and when you're putting up, you know, 23, 24 a game, that tells me that, you know, you're definitely athletic enough to – but he was just distracted. He, you know, he just wasn't paying attention and locked in. It wasn't important. Now, I noticed an enormous change when he got to Golden State. I had much more respect for him as a 17-point player playing harder on that team than I did averaging 24 in Minnesota. And, and I think Draymond Green was a big part of that and bringing that out in him. And yeah. then, you know, so he helps them. Obviously, you know, it was great during their championship run. I think he was the second-best player on their team during that playoff run, certainly in the finals. And then I don't know. You know he had some personal issues and different things kicked in, and I don't know if if some of the old Andrew wins kicked in a little bit too. Like kind of like I'll be there when you need me, but right now it's you know he's not really ramped up. He has been lately. Give him credit, and he was playing. He was smiling last night and having fun, and their whole group was having fun. I've not seen a lot of fun out of that team this year. That's not the case now. So Warriors are in the mix, Adam. You know, and I'm glad because they're just better. It's just better for us. It's better for the league. I can watch Steph Curry play every night. It's that entertaining. So them being 
hot right now and relevant and playing themselves into the conversation every day is just good for us. It's good for the league. He mentioned Draymond. I mean, he's so good. I wonder if part of Wiggins's coasting and turning on has is there's any correlation to Draymond because Draymond. I mean, let's admit it. The first. 40 games of the season, he was not exactly a, a great leader on the team, and he wasn't there maybe to push. I feel like he's almost like the movie Whiplash. He's he's the instructor kind of getting raising the intensity level of everybody in ways that toes the line and sometimes crosses the line of being toxic. But I almost wonder in his absence if Wiggins kind of felt, even subconsciously, I like, okay, I can relax a little bit here. But the last point I want to make, you mentioned Kaminga, so I want to circle back to this Kaminga thing. The hardest thing, you mentioned him moving the ball, making the reads quicker. The hardest thing I think to do as a role player in the NBA is move the ball quickly, make quick reads at getting the ball out of your hands when you don't trust your team and when you feel like maybe you're being frozen out because now you're asked to, I get the ball out of my hands, I'm not going to see it again. A lot of guys feel if I get the ball on rarity, I touch the ball every four possessions. If I touch it and don't shoot it or don't do something with it, I might not see it again. And I think with Kaminga this year, the Warriors have a lot of great – storylines kind of underneath the surface the clay thompson one but the Kamingo one is also there in as steve kerr and the team have given him more trust he seems to have become a better version of himself which is interesting mm -hmm. oftentimes you want a guy to earn it first and then get elevated and it almost feels like the team had to say no we trust you and with that trust now he is trusting the team so that's something i see with Kamingo that i find very interesting i think that's 100 percent accurate i think they finally reached a point going into this season and it wasn't it didn't start really at the beginning of the year it took a little time at the start of the season um just talking to people when i went out there before the year and i interviewed all those guys um it, it i got the sense that it was like we're gonna find out so it's almost like they made up their mind before maybe he was even earning it that we're gonna find out now about him this year and they have and he i'm happy for him because i believed in him um, I, I certainly, yeah. I know better than to, than to write a guy off, but he's 21 years old. It makes no sense with that kind of talent, but you know, you do start to wonder, is it going to happen with this coach, with this group? Because I did notice like, as the year would go on less and less trust in Kaminga, certainly almost non-existent trust in the playoffs. And I just didn't know, like sometimes guys can't break through that barrier with the same group. You, you, and that's why I was always wondering, like, is he, is he going to just be one of those guys that leaves year four and goes somewhere else, maybe to a you know a, a mid level team in the NBA and starts and plays thirty five minutes a night and knows he's getting that every night, and now we've unleashed him. And it, you know, this was a major important breakthrough for them. And I, I trust him now. They trust him. You kind of know what you're going to get out of him on a bad night. It still looks pretty good, and that wasn't the case before with Jonathan Kaminga. Is there anything on the Lakers side of things that really stands out to you? The one thing I'll say about the Lakers is the Warriors have this sense of urgency of the clock's ticking, time's running out, we got to do – and the, the Lakers on the other side almost have less of that than I would expect for a team in their position. And I'm, it's not just last night's game. I mean, again, no LeBron, you know, some things – some external circumstances. But I just mean as a whole. The team to me doesn't seem to have that sense of either it's belief or urgency that you would think they need given their, their positioning. I agree with that, you know, and I don't know, you know, you'll never know with a player, like to what extent LeBron was feeling something last night that he wasn't going to play uh, as important as these games are right now. But I kind of agree with you. Yeah, I feel that way. It was interesting last night that, you know, they, they were, they were down most of the game. It was a nine point game 
with two minutes left in the third quarter. They just made a three. There's two minutes left in the third quarter, and it's not. And they cut it to nine. I think Torian Prince had a three, and yep. they they finally give Anthony Davis a blow. Like he played the first ten minutes of the quarter. He's going to go sit down for the last two minutes of the third, and the Warriors go on a 9-0 run. The game went from 9-18 to with Anthony Davis on the floor. Like, their possessions, trip after trip, were a disaster. And Golden State was capitalized every time. And that's really where the game ended, right there. In that two-minute stretch, while Anthony Davis over there, you know, getting a drink of water. He looks up, and it's like, man, he must have felt like Westbrook back in the day or Luka, like early days in Dallas. Like, I can't even get a drink of water, like all the work I did. So um, I think last night was kind of like, wow, like, Look what they look like if one of those guys isn't on the floor, if both right. of them aren't on the floor, and it's it's kind of it's kind of like opened your eyes a little bit. And unfortunately, you know, look for me, I say unfortunately for this reason, I, you get tired of talking about them. Sometimes I do. I get tired of talking yeah. about the Lakers. I get tired yeah. of talking about the storyline. Right. So the question kept coming up in the work I've been doing on TV over the last couple of days is, well, if one of these two teams were to make a run. Who would you think would be more likely? I'm talking about Golden State and the Lakers. And that question just kept coming up over and over and over yeah. last couple of days. And I, 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 for some reason, I still think the Lakers, I lean toward them because of LeBron, because of his ability to control the pace and physically, like he's going to be able to do what he needs to do and be great if he needs to be and just control the action because of his size and strength and ball handling ability and passing ability. And then AD, similar. Like, he wins the matchups in front of him because of his size and length. And so I just sort, sort of lean there. But then I watched that last night, Adam, and I'm going, my goodness, yeah. just supporting cast. Like, they can't that, – that's that's the way you close a quarter with with it, those two stars off the court. You know, you get blitz 9 nothing, and the game essentially was over going into the fourth quarter. So it kind of makes you wonder. Maybe, maybe it would be the Warriors if they're playing like this because they're playing like a team. And there's right. a lot of contributions across the board, right? And you still have this elite player that makes it all happen with Curry. So I don't know. I think it's a coin flip answer. I don't know that either one of them can, to be honest with you. They might, they might, might both lose either in the play-in or the first round if they get out of it. Yeah. So I don't know that it's even likely for either of them to do it. But you know what? Maybe the answer is the Warriors because of how well they're playing as a team right now. Well, I like the framing of that question, wondering which of those two teams uh... – you know, is more likely to upset because we're going to ask a similar question on the other side as we talk about the Mavs and the Suns. The Mavs, we talk about them every day, Legs, because they're so interesting. But you know what? Last night was among the most interesting games of this entire run. So we're going to yep. get to that. We're also going to talk uh, later on about Clippers Thunder and then go around the association and talk about all the other games before preview uh, previewing the rest of the week. Also, Luca's MVP case which we'll get to on the other side but first the nba season is in full swing and we can't get enough of the action on the court so we spice things up with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba right now new customers can bet five dollars and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets maybe you're watching our next segment and thinking man i'm thinking about making a dark horse mvp bet well, maybe you want to hop on DraftKings Sportsbook, have that open and ready as we talk about Luca's case for the MVP. I know Mavs fans have been clamoring for that. Maybe it's time to start the train uh, for that one. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use code ALLNBA, new customers bet five bucks and get uh, 200 instantly, whether you win or lose. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code ALLNBA. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 878-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 
789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 or older age varies by jurisdiction. Boyd, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash basketball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Also want to tell you guys about the Game Time app. This is the best time of year to go and catch a game live right out of the all-star break when the intensity is high. I feel like there's these little pockets in the season where the games are better than average. And right after like the two weeks coming right out of the all-star break, those are usually some really intense games. And we have some great ones coming up. We're going to talk about them over the weekend. If you want to buy tickets, check out the Game Time app. They take all the frustration out of ticket buying because they have that little option right at the top of the front page that says all-in pricing. So you're not wondering what the fees are. You have a $100 ticket, and then you go to checkout, and it's actually $190. Nope, you have all-in pricing. It tells you exactly what it is so you can make your decisions fast and easy. They have flash deals for last-minute tickets. And then, of course, as the weather is getting warmer, it's becoming concert season. It's coming event season. It's becoming outdoor events season. So you can hop on there and also find great deals on all the events in your neighborhood. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code ALLNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code ALLNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, second segment here, and we're going to get into our favorite team to talk about over the last uh, three weeks or so, and for good reason. They are now on a seven-game win streak, and they extended that to seven games last night over their rivals, the Phoenix Suns in a game in which Bradley Beal was not playing. And it was a game in which they had, I don't even know what the number of final tally was. I think they started 16 to zero legs in the in the third quarter, but I could be off on that. It was a huge run to end the first half and to start the second half that really was the difference in this game. The Suns made their runs in the second half to kind of get close within striking distance. But Dallas, when they throw haymakers, man, um, they, they're, I don't know if I could say they're the haymaker team, because there's a lot of teams that have instant offense, including the Phoenix Suns. But I think the Mavs are at least in that top tier of teams that can throw a 16-0 run together in short order and, and leave you dizzy. They did it last night. Yeah, agreed um, with that. And it's there's something, you know, I'm watching this team every night, and everybody knows, no secret, I started kind of in on them after, at the trading deadline. And right. to that point, I just didn't know like where they were going to end up in the Western Conference, and and I, you know you still didn't know if I trusted Kyrie to be there right. and uh, lots of stuff. Right? They go out, they make the two moves for for Gafford and Washington, and it seemed like minor moves. But I I started in right then, and it's been nothing but what I expected it to be. They look like they've got belief at a higher level than at any time since they got Luka Doncic. That group just looks like they're out there, you know, to, to kick somebody's rear end. And the, the the energy in the building is different. Um, Luca looks lean and strong and in shape, and he's running back on defense and he's switching on the guys and battling rather than just like letting him go because he doesn't want to commit fouls. It's the hardest I've ever seen him play defensively. He's setting the tone. I think maturity's starting to kick in for him, and they just got Adam a little bit of everything. And you saw it on display last night. They can go on these offensive runs. I give Phoenix credit because they could have – this could have gotten to 20, 25. It looked like it was going there. And then yeah. they get on a run, right? And they come all the way back, and then they get it into single digits, like six at one point. And you're thinking, like, wow, you know, this is a this great game. Like, Phoenix is – is they're battling back. They're counterpunching. Ultimately, it was just too much Dallas. 
Um, I was just impressed across the board with the way they played. Luca was incredible with his, his jumper last night. Like when he's hitting the step back three to that extent, there's not much you can do with him because he can and get ladies, off whatever he, he wants. One to the right. Did you see the yep, step back he had to the he right did. side? That was insane. He's always to it the was left filthy. on the step back. It was absolutely filthy. I watched it two or three different times. Uh, I kept hitting the you know the, the rewind. I went ten seconds back. I wanted to see it again because I was like. I don't know if people understand how difficult that shot is going to the right with a defender you know, draped on your left side and another defender running at your right hand. And you just, you just stop and go up and he was just perfectly unbalanced and no doubt where it was going in. And that's, you know, he doesn't react a lot when he makes a three, but he was doing a little bit of extra on that one, a big smile on his face. And, you know, so he, he was feeling it no doubt. And when he's feeling the deep jumper, you got a serious problem on your hands because it's very hard to get the ball out of his hands in a way that doesn't compromise your defense because he gets the ball so quickly with such velocity to wherever it needs to go. Middle of the floor, corner, opposite corner. It doesn't matter if you run someone at him that far out on the floor. And it's funny because teams, like you could tell, they're thinking about like blitzing him, and he'll shoot it before the blitz starts moving in his direction because it, you know he gets into it so quickly and he covers so much ground on the step back. When he's when he's feeling that shot, you really do feel like you're completely at his mercy. Uh, there's yeah. nothing you can do to affect him, and that's that's what I felt. And Kyrie had some electrifying moments last night, like in the open floor and some of the stuff he was doing. Um, and then they got their typical role playing contributions and the lively legs, you know, the 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 young legs, the fresh legs, running and jumping all over the place and guarding guys. I just really like watching this team right now more than I have at any point. Since Luka Doncic entered the NBA, I enjoy watching him play right now. I think Kyrie is the most spectacular player in the NBA. It's either him or Wimbenyama, probably, when you just talk about the spectacular. Not saying the best, but he just does stuff to me every single night that I'm like, you got to be kidding. That fast break, the, the yeah. footwork, the everything else, yeah. and then finishing it right inside hand across his body. You just think... Who thinks to do that? And right. it almost felt like there was an easier way to get there, but he just contorts his body in a way that both looks difficult and effortless at the same time. Well, he might be the best him. finishing small guard this league's ever seen. I mean, you know, his, yeah. his, he's, ambid, he's ambidextrous. He yep. can go either hand to finish. He manipulates the ball in the air to move it around, around shot blockers. He's got all kinds of English that he puts on it, like he did on that shot you're talking about, which I, again, watching it live, I saw the bench reaction. And they, yeah. they like five guys jumped up at the same time, and I I was like, I thought he shot it left handed, which would have been same, a great same. shot. Yep, yep. yeah, it, it, it would have been a great shot anyway. But then when you see the replay, and you're like, wait a second, he kept the ball in his right hand the entire time and shot it like with this reverse English this way <laughs> as he's falling to the ground. Like I, it's so his creativity, and and like. The fact that a guy that size goes in there to the rim knowing he's going to get resistance by a backline defender and he just doesn't really ever panic. He doesn't release the ball until he's ready to release the ball. It's a special quality. Most guys don't have that that are small guards. They're thinking about getting it up, like some sort of floater or quickly shoot it before they jump, like and before you're ready to shoot it. He never lets go of the ball until he's ready. And that's why these finishes are so incredible. And he's been doing it throughout his entire career. He just looks – I love watching him play right now. And it's like, yeah. you know, he's there every night. He's mentally there. He's giving yeah. them the best of himself right now. And it looks like he is having a hell of a lot of fun playing with Luka. 
and I didn't know that that was going to be the case when he went there. Agreed. But they've got it. They've got it figured out right now. Whatever's going on, it's working, and they 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 look they look great right now. They really do. They got a lot of ground to make up to get into like a home first round, you know, four seed or something. They got they got some work to do, and I don't know if they'll get there. But I do think that this team is going to win at a really high level the rest of the year if those two players are healthy. I don't think there's enough conversation about how good of a pair that has turned out to be because you're right. I think a lot of people thought maybe there's conflict, personality, distractions. Do they want to be there? Maybe, maybe does Kyrie want to be in L.A. and right all those markets? But they, the way they play together, man, is like art. <laughs> they're two, they're like two great guitarists just riffing off of each other. It's 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 really something to watch. The other thing I'm interested in. And I texted two Mavs people before I did this show just asking, hey, what is the ideal starting or closing lineup for the Mavs? And I got two different answers. And that tells me that there's something intriguing there. I don't think it's a bad thing that you don't necessarily know exactly what your core five is. But I actually liked, because they have so many combinations. I love the fact that they can just throw interesting combinations on the court for 48 minutes. But last night, I liked the, the combination of Kyrie and Luka with Lively and Washington in your front court, and then Josh Green, who I, I think I'm higher on than most people, just because I think he does exactly what he's supposed to do. That five, to me, might be my favorite five that they can roll out there. And I'm curious if you have a five that you that you like for that group uh, in particular. Well, I think certainly P.J. Washington, Kyrie, and Luka. And then the other two spots for me, I'm perfectly fine with what you said, which is Green and Lively. If you want to replace those two guys – with Gafford yeah. and and Hardaway, I'm okay with that too. And I think part of that is going to be dependent on what they, they need. Like, is is it one of those shootout type games where you got to match buckets? Yeah. Then you might see Hardaway. If it's a game that's a little bit lower scoring, like where teams are kind of dug in, they're letting them play, then you might see Green. So, so I, I'm fine with any of the combination of those guys. I just think, and you saw it last night, Gafford, man. Gafford has an edge to him. Like he's got a he's got a nasty edge to him in terms of wanting to go meet you at the rim. And he had a great block on Booker. He had another play where he kind of laid Booker out. He went for the ball, but he hit him hard, knocked him to the ground. They took a look at it, but like his force with which he plays. And I was just watching him change ends of the floor when when because he, he runs hard to the offensive glass, like from yeah. twenty eight feet. He's a dead sprint to the rim because he knows somebody's going to shoot it probably after he screens. And then, like, he'd get all the way to the rim, ball comes off. He runs like a small forward. He turns, and so does Lively. And that's, like, yeah. been the most interesting thing to me. You have two guys that are 6'10 that change ends of the floor like a wing, but they get down there so fast, and they don't play like wings at the rim. They play like centers. So yeah. it's transformed the way I look at them defensively and the extra opportunities they're going to get on the offensive glass. Now, last night, they played, uh, what, 33 minutes. They've been playing more than that collectively. But I was added up and say, basically, this is what you're getting out of the center spot. Going right. into last night, I think you're averaging 21 points, 19 boards, and four blocks. Would you take that out of your center spot? I think you would, right? right. Um, right. Now, last night was only 33 minutes. It was like nine points, nine boards. It wasn't quite the same production. But that, to me, and, and P.J. Washington, I just love his versatility, man. I just love the way he plays. He just does everything he does has a purpose, and it's smart. And he's, can he, he wants to guard guys, and he's going to be a guy that's going to get some tough defensive responsibilities. So, you know, I've harped on it, but the additions are great. And any way you slice it, we just named seven players. Divvy it up how you want. I want P.J. Washington, Luka, and Kyrie for sure. Those other two spots, I think they can, they can, you can mix and match between Lively and Green and Gafford and Hardaway. 
Yeah. Offensive rebounding, by the way, they only had 10 total, but I would guess eight of those came in that third quarter run where they really opened things up. Uh, that would be yeah. da- that's Dallas. They grabbed a bunch of second chance points and that team scores too easily to give them two, tr- two sh- cracks at it down court. That was part of what really hurt the Suns. And then I want to ask you this one. Both of these teams are offensive teams. I think that there's more versatility to Dallas because of how many different guys they can throw out there. They just have more combinations they can throw. So Phoenix needs to be the team that scores easier. And watching last mm-hmm. night, now there's no Bradley Beal. Important, yeah. That's an important thing to throw. Everybody always gets mad and we don't mention the guys that didn't play. Bradley Beal wasn't there. But I feel like Dallas actually scores easier than Phoenix. And that's what's crazy about it. Phoenix scores really easy as well. But Dallas gets the shots they want every single yeah. time down court. And they have two guys that do it. I think Luka's the best player between both teams. And then I think Kyrie might be – is probably on par in terms of scoring and everything else as a Beal and a Booker. But he might be a better passer. I think he's a better passer and table setter. And so I look at that and I just go, the Suns made little runs here and there. But the Mavs mm-hmm. never – stopped getting exactly what they wanted in this game and it stood yeah. out to me i agree with that and i think if you look at it it's, it's kind of strange in that this game it's a 10 point game but it, it felt more than that and when you look at the yeah. statistics very similar across the board really, literally every number pretty except for one area of the game phoenix turned the ball over 16 times and dallas converted that into 29 points uh yeah. and that's to your point that ball w- when they were getting turnovers it's changing ends of the floor so fast. And some of it is get it pushed. It balls in the hands of a great player. One of those two guys or Luca throwing it ahead, like firing the ball up the sideline to somebody to get out and get, get space. Kyrie picking up the ball and then going and, and getting all the way to the rim before you're back and set up. I just thought their, their transition stuff from getting their hands on a loose ball to the other end of the floor, converting and getting a good shot was so quick, and Phoenix wasn't able to really do anything yeah. about that. So the difference in the points off turnovers was a 16-point differential. You know, Phoenix only got 13 of their own off those turnovers, and they gave up you know 29 points they left on the t- table. They didn't get shots, and they get 29 coming down the other way. That, to me, is the difference in what you watched last night. Because if you look at Phoenix's raw Offensive numbers, 48%. That's a good night. 15 for 36 from the three, 41%. That's a good night. 75 from the line. They shot more free throws than Dallas. Uh, Rebounding numbers, pretty similar to how rebounded them by two. It was the turnovers. And I don't usually talk about Dallas like forcing the turnovers. Some of they did. Some were careless on the part of Phoenix, and they don't have that natural point guard, and sometimes that does surface. Um, But to your point, everything that Phoenix did wrong – Dallas quickly capitalized on and that to me was really the difference in the game let's um let's go over to the MVP now actually I have one more thing before we get there and that is I sent you a clip as I was watching this game this morning and it was of Kevin Durant with a really bad turnover you mentioned the 16 turnovers Booker had four KD had five the I think it's a sneaky Achilles heel of this Phoenix Suns team that Kevin Durant is really deficient when teams trap him, especially when they're smart about how they trap and zone up. And now look, Phoenix built a roster that has that creates vulnerabilities in your defense when you trap. If you can get the ball out of it, they're going to score on you, you know, more often than not. 
But Kevin Durant is kind of sneaky bad at getting trapped with the ball. And I thought last night, especially during that run when the pressure, when you, you get timeouts and you come out of a timeout like, okay, what are we going to do? KD gets trapped along the baseline and makes really elementary turnovers, traveling and not reading the court, holding the ball for too long. And to me, that's a thing that I when I watch the Suns, look, they're so good offensively that you're looking at little margins of where they can be weak. That one to me is kind of a glaring one for a team that is so reliant on being unstoppable on offense. Yeah, it's a good point. And actually, I saw even once you sent me, I saw a couple more where, and it wasn't Durant's fault. It was their spacing was so bad. He's getting trapped, pinned toward the sideline. And look at the weak side of the floor. You got a shooter in the opposite corner, a shooter on the opposite wing, the middle of the floor completely wide open, and no one slashes to the rim. No one flashes to the middle as a pressure release. And I know Durant is going to be real frustrated when he watches that film because he, I think one of them, he, he like was kind of stepping away from the trap and stepped out of bounds and, they, and it was a turnover. And like, but he held the ball for three or four seconds, like waiting for someone to break open. And yet, you know, like a shooter, strong side corner, he couldn't throw it to him. He was five feet away from him. A guy at the top of the key and then two shooters on the opposite side of the floor, like the middle of the floor was wide open. No one, no one slashed there. So they've still got some things that they're going to have to continue to iron out and work out when you're not playing with a true point guard and a table setter and a guy to organize them. And you got three scorers as your majority ball handlers. They need more time together to work that stuff out. And so fortunately, you know, we're not entering the playoffs now. They've got uh, 26 games left to do that. And hopefully Bradley Beal plays more than he misses because, my goodness, this guy's having a hard time staying on the court. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's get into the MVP part of this because I, I've always hated the MVP discussion, especially the October November MVP discussion. It oh, seems like course. it starts on November first, and we're, and we're doing all this time. stuff. Um, but I think that now is when it becomes interesting. Right now is when you can start to really say, like, okay, it doesn't feel like a hot take. It doesn't feel too early. We can start to look at it. And Luca, I've been hesitant to put him here, not because he hasn't been having a great season, but just because again, historical precedent about seating and everything else. I do feel like you need to have some kind of guide rails, or I should say principles. They're not necessarily rules, hard set rules. You have to be a top three seed. I think that's silly. But I do think that there are these principles that, 
hey, if a player is a seven, eight, nine seed, you have to ask how much of an impact are they making and how do we are we sure we can quantify that? But now that they're on a seven game win streak in the six seed, a game out of the five seed, four games out of the four seed. And with the way he's playing, to your point, he looks slimmer than ever. He looks confident. His step back looks better than ever. Um, his defense looks better than ever. I'm looking at it now and going, the usual suspects, Jokic, Shea now at the top, Tatum, those guys all have a case as well. Luka, if we just put it in a vacuum and forget the context of the record, is right there or even above them. And now the record's getting up there to where that's becoming less of an issue. So what do you think of Luka's chance here to, to take the MVP. I actually going to put him as the favorite for me now. And it's because of based on my belief of what Dallas is going to do the rest of the year. And, and you're hundred percent right. Look, precedent's been set by the way. And it's not, it's not common, but if I recall, was Oklahoma city like a six seed when Westbrook won that award? When he averaged right. a triple double, I, I think, think they were right. six seed that year. And he, he won it because they, I mean, you know, Durant had left them. He was there by yeah. himself. He averaged a triple double and, and he, you know, I think they won. If I recall, I think they were like forty-five and thirty-seven. That, or maybe it's forty-seven and thirty-five. There's something like that, and they were like a six seed. And he won the yeah. MVP. So it's not common. Typically, you do need to be up there, like near the top three. I wasn't sure earlier, despite the numbers Luke was putting up, were they going to get to the number of wins to put him in the discussion? And I think now there's a good chance they will. I mean, listen, one thing to do, have they have played six more home games than road games. So schedule-wise, they're about to go on a four-game trip right now, but they weren't playing like this when they went on a four-game trip earlier in the year. This is different. So they've, they've played 56 games. They've got 26 games left. You, know, you go 20 and six. Let's just throw that out there. Like Tough, something but, like that. Right? You're, at 50, you're at 53 wins. You're probably at that point – gonna be pushing up onto the three and four seed um you're not i don't think you're ultimately gonna get up there into one and two but you'll probably you got a shot at like four if you're top four and yeah. this is what everybody pay attention to what luka Doncic is doing right now because because I, I didn't know i had the researcher look it up because i knew it was up there and this is actual assisted field goals this isn't like okay he's averaging 11 assists a game so that's just uh round off a number no this is actual points that he's gotten on assists Combined with his scoring, it's a combination. It's 57.4 points per game. Direct offense from Luka scoring or assisting. And guess what? That is the most by any player in the history of this league in one season. No player has ever done Crazy. it. Tiny Archibald had the record in the early 70s when he led the league in scoring and assists. Now, three-point shot wasn't there, so that you know maybe he would have been higher, but he's not. Bottom line is Luka's playing in modern basketball – but that's the extent to which he is dominating right now. He's basically responsible for half of the points they score every night. And so that's what he's doing. This is historic stuff. And we know he's a clutch player. Like he's 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 great when you need him to be. He's he's worked harder at his defense, harder at his conditioning. The only thing that was that's gonna hold him back is your team going to have enough regular season success. And I didn't know that it was gonna happen, but now I kind of think, Adam, I think they're gonna be north of 50. So 20 and 6 puts them at 53. Well, what if they go, you know, 17 and 9, which is, you know, reasonable with the way they're playing right now? That's 50 wins. If he gets north of 50 with this kind 50. of prolific offense, if he gets 50 and he's and he's doing this, and I don't think that's going to drop off. Yeah. There you go. That's why I'm putting him as that's why I'm putting him right now as the favorite because I don't think anybody has con 
grabbed control of this. I think it's wide open when Embiid went down. And yeah. Luka wasn't getting talked because the team wasn't good enough, but now they are. Watch out because this 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 is the best offensive player of the group. And they're now starting to win games, and people are paying attention to it. So I think Luka right now for me is my favorite. The word's narrative, and narrative requires round numbers. Easy to digest numbers, legs. You know this. So you're hopping on first take or doing one of these shows. You don't get 10 minutes to make a case and give all this. You right. got to have the like, what's the line I have here? And 50 wins to me feels like a narrative thing that you can sell. Even if they're a five seed, even if they're a six seed, you say, look, they're a six seed, but 50 wins. Most years that'd be right. a three seed, but this 50 right. wins, 49 feels almost low. So I almost feel like that's the market. I'll tell you, while you were talking just now, I hopped on DraftKings and laid a little money on, on Luca's MVP because I actually – that's how good. You were selling me on it so much. I just had to put my money where uh, where my mouth is. So I'm with you. I think he has a lot I of momentum. Hey, 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 by the way, there's another thing that factors into it, okay? Marquee matchups against yeah. other MVP candidates. So let's just yeah. take a look at some of the ones we're talking about. It's Friday, March 1st, the last game of this road trip. It's an ESPN game at Boston. That's a big one, man. Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, best team in the league. You come in there. It's a nationally televised game. Like, those are moments that East matter. I remember when, yep. Yeah. I remember when Harden and LeBron had one of those years ago. It was like they were neck and neck for the MVP, and they went head-to-head -head on, like, an ABC game. And everybody, they both played great. And, and I don't even remember who got the best of who. But everybody was dialed in, and it matters, man. It carries weight. He's got, you know, at Oklahoma City. Thursday, March 14th, you go against Shea and against the team that's at the top of the West. Like, that's a big one for him. Um, and then you got you still have Golden State three more times. Those are always marquee games because everybody's watching the Warriors. And then Oklahoma City, the last game of the year. So you've got some games that mean more than others with regard yeah. to this topic. And I think so that true. Boston game, March 1st, is one that everybody needs to check out because that's the kind of thing that can re just really embed in people's minds. They go into Boston, they outplay him. He outplays Tatum, puts up you know puts up forty five or something, and they win that game. People remember that it carries more weight. So those are the other moments like to look at the big the big marquee games on their schedule remaining and what Luca does in those. Um, let's move on to the other team that I want to talk about tonight, which is the Thunder and the Clippers. Another great game and another statement win, I feel, for Oklahoma City. They keep getting these big matchups against the other West top teams, and they keep coming out on top. Um, this one, a little bit of a blowout, 129 to 107. I have my first note, or really my biggest note on this one, I think there is a huge leap coming for the Thunder in the coming years, probably as early as next year, although you're already seeing it this year, in Chet Holmgren's playmaking. Because we mm. both talked early in the year about how impressed we are by Chet's ability to get out of the way. Like he plays right now like a traditional pick and pop big in that he's a secondary guy. They're not playing through him as much as he's just setting screens, rolling, popping, whatever. Lately, he's they've been giving him the ball and he's been more confident driving or just playing through him almost on like elbow actions. Now, it's not a whole lot, but I've seen enough of it now to say, all right, a year from now, two years from now, you're going to be able to actually play through him and draw the other bigs out of the paint and also just allow him, oh, we got switches, now we're going down to him in the post, or we're going to him on the elbow. And right now they're so good with Shea and Jalen Williams and Giddy, dribble penetration, drive and kick. They're a drive and kick team. But I think they're going to have a second. They're not going to lose that, but they're also going to have the secondary way to beat you, which is through playing through him. And they did that last night. There were some really big plays with Chet getting the ball. And I just watched that and I go, 
That's when teams become unstoppable, when they have yeah. two avenues of beating you offensively. So you put a lineup out there that can stop one, now you're vulnerable to the other, or you overload your defense to one and you're vulnerable to, to the other. So I'm just curious what you think about that. Chet has not been a guy they've played through, and I think that's coming. They haven't, and he's capable, and it is coming, and that's the evolution you know, for him. I, I Sometimes I look at him, and it's like he's an AI you know, because yeah. he doesn't change his expression, and it's the same line like every night. I'm just looking at his game log. He's had he's been over fifty percent from the field eight straight games, and you know he he takes shots that he can make, yep. but without looking like you know he's a, he's a non offensive player. It's weird. Not got not many guys can strike that balance where they they're still putting up 15, 17, 20 like every single night, but not taking a lot of shots. Um, he finds a way to do it, and he's shooting 47% in February from the three-point line. So, like, his shooting splits are so good. That's, like, the next thing, and he, we know what he does defensively. The next thing is, man, get him more involved in the dribble handoff game. Get him more involved where you throw the ball to him at the elbows and let him turn and face and make plays out of that as he gets more and more comfortable. That's definitely coming because he's good enough. Um, he's smart enough. He understands, completely understands how to play. And it, it will come naturally to him the more he gets it. And by the way, it, it's going to be coming along at the same time. We've already seen this incredible growth from Jalen Williams, who wasn't really a guy that was capable right. of necessarily yep. carrying an offense when right. Shea was out of the game early in the year. He is now. Shea goes down. That ball goes in Jalen Williams' hands, man. And he is going to be running ball screen and ISO and shooting step backs if he wants and anything else. And he looks very comfortable doing that. So now they can, can incorporate Chet more and more into the non-shooting aspects of the offensive end of the floor, um, yeah, look out. Yeah, will it happen this year? I don't know. It's just so fascinating to me to see they've been on this run. I was doubtful early, and I haven't doubted them for a long time, but I still don't know exactly what this is going to look like. And I shouldn't doubt them. You know, you blast a team like that last night. That should be enough of a statement. But it, it, there's just so many good teams in the West. I don't know what the matchups going to be, and I think matchups are going to be everything in the first round of the playoffs in particular in the western conference um the other thing i have for i have two more notes really quick notes here one the thunder started giddy as they always do in the first half and didn't start him in the second half i think it's the third time that's happened this year legs and yeah. by all accounts he seems fine with it and to me one of the things i like about the thunder these are the teams that i put together where i think i like every player in the rotation it's the thunder and I love Kaysen Wallace, obviously Gordon Hayward they just added. I love Kendrick Williams. Kenny Hustle is one of my favorites. Wiggins, I like all the guys they have, and they seem to have the ability to say, hey, it's not your night tonight, Giddy. We're going to go uh, instead to Isaiah Joe, and it works out just great. I think the Pelicans have that as well. I love all the guys that are in their rotation. I think the Celtics, they have a solid rotation with no you know, weak points. The Knicks, even though I'm not the biggest Julius Randle fan, like I, I like all their players. They're all good. I think the Timberwolves are that way, and I think the Mavericks now with their newly acquired pieces are that way. Those are the only teams where I look at it and I don't go, ooh, I don't know about that guy in a playoffs. All those teams have guys that are playable and are good, in my opinion. No, I completely agree with you. I think um, to your to your giddy point, it's interesting. He's like he's – he's an enigma, man. He's a mystery because as what I just said about Chet Holmgren, I'm the exact opposite of true of Josh Giddy. Like his game logs look like – it looks like a polygraph. Right? This is what it looks like. <laughs> right. You know, in, in his – I just said what uh, Holmgren had – I don't know how many consecutive games I said over 50%. Well, Giddy in the last 10 games has five games over 50%. 
and five games under 40 percent including some in the 20 and 18s like so it's it's you really don't know necessarily night tonight. now look i do think there are things about his game that promote good offense even when you know and he, he's just not a very good shooter and he's lost i think he's lost even more confidence he does promote things that help you and help the flow and it's some of the things we talked about that the warriors do where you just move it where it's supposed to go quickly at the right time that's what giddy does he moves the ball well he understands that part of it he gives it up and it does help other guys go make plays so even though he struggles and he seems like maybe the weak link a little bit offensively some nights um i do think there are things that he does offensively to help them i love clippers thunder as a matchup they have the shea piece you know they traded they mortgaged the future but yeah. had to lose shea um so i love that aspect of it but i also just like styles make fights and the Thunder are a little vulnerable inside to dynamic bigs. The Clippers don't really, they have good defensive bigs, but they don't have dynamic offensive bigs. So I think it plays into the clip, uh, the Thunder's hands. That wasn't a great showing from the Clippers last night. I think they're better than what they showed, especially Kawhi Leonard. But I just like the wing defense that, that the Thunder can throw at the Clippers. And I think that series would be a really fascinating one. And I also feel the same way for about Mavs Suns. We got two games last night that, the Thunder Clippers, we might see. That might be a second-round matchup. Uh, you know, very good chance of that. But the Mavs Suns one, we probably won't see. But both of those matchups, to me, are among my favorite ones out West in terms of the just styles make fights if you could pair two teams together. Is there any others that you look at just off the top of your head that you say, man, I would love these two teams are a great styles make fights matchup? Yeah, Minnesota and Lakers or Minnesota um, and Denver. I think yeah. I would like to see that because of the size of the front line going up against Jokic. That'd be interesting to me. Lakers Warriors would be great, but I don't. I don't see any way yeah. that's happening. That's a, based yeah, it's on happening what in the play-in. Yeah, I mean, unless they both, unless they both get out of the play-in, no, no, somehow, no, 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 and then it's and, happening and then, in the play-in. It's going to oh, be they're going to play. They're going to play then. Yeah, but 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 in a one in a one-off. I mean, yeah, a best different. of seven. I want to see a best of seven yeah. with those two teams. Um, super compelling. Now, there's I could look. You could give me a hat. With all those teams written so down true. on a piece of paper in it, I could pull out any two and make a great argument why this might be the best series of the Western Conference playoffs. Literally, whoever you pull out, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at some of those matchups and what that could look like. That's how that's how great it's gonna be. The Western Conference all the way through, starting from the play-in all the way through. Every round, every game is gonna have meaning, and there's gonna it's gonna be a wild ride, man. Yeah. Ah. Mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. We got to go quickly here. We're, we didn't make it uh, into going around the association, talking about all these other games. I do want to mention Jokic last night. They were playing the Washington Generals. Excuse me, the Washington Wizards. 
Um, arguably the most <laughs> sad team I've ever watched in my life last well, night, by the way. You know what? I got a nickname. I got a nickname for them right now for the Washington Wizards. Nickname, I, I call them urgent care because that's where you go to get better. <laughs> if you so want to get better, you go play the Wizards. So their nickname's <laughs> urgent care. Well, right? you, got, you got a problem, something ailing you, Adam, yeah, you go see the yeah. Wizards. You're going to you're gonna come out you know just what? right. Something was bothering me, and I watched the Nuggets beat up on the Wizards, and I do feel better go. today. You see what um, I'm saying? There you go. Jokic had a second tri triple-double on 100% shooting last night. He was 10 of 10 from the field. It's the second time this year he has had a tri triple-double on 10 of 10 from the field. It's unbelievable. It's fun. Look, we could throw it out. We've had 70-point games against bad teams. We've had these different weird things. But I will say, I do love that Yoke's version of stat padding against bad teams is perfection. It's not necessarily volume. It's just, you know what? I'm not missing tonight. I'm just going to have right. a triple-double, no misses. Right. That's it, man. You know, you're not, you know you can't lose, so just be super selective and put up these one of these crazy numbers, you know? Why not? I, I hear you, man. Uh, all right. We're going to go into who won the week to get us out of here. And guess what, Legs? Nobody played this week. Who won the week divided by DraftKings Sportsbook? I think everybody lost the week. All-Star Weekend, I know you guys talked about it. it was a dud, as it always is. Uh, we had four days off of sports, and I feel like every story that the talking heads got into this week was annoying. <laughs> he just showed – NBA media, man, when the games go away for a few days, they just start fighting about everything, and it was very strange. But I do think there's one – I'm only nominating one person for you this leg. Steph Curry. Steph Curry was the star of All-Star Weekend. The shootout with uh, Sabrina was incredible. Uh, it was the highlight, I think, of, of All-Star Weekend, to be perfectly honest with you. And then, of course, he becomes the sixth player to score 23,000 points, 6,000 assists. He joins LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Kobe Bryant, James Harden, Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, and John Havlicek. And, of course, he led the uh, he led his team, the Warriors, to a, the one win that they got to play over the Lakers. So who won the week? I give you one option. Do you have any others? Yeah, I do, actually. I like that. So let's stick it to All-Star Weekend, keep it All-Star Weekend related, basically. You could make a case that Sabrina Ionescu did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I was watching her warm-up for that thing, and she, she wasn't shooting great in the warm-ups, and the camera was on her, and I was thinking, like, oh, man, you know, let's see what happens here from the NBA line. Like, this, you know, is this going to affect her? And then she just comes out and drains her first five on the first rack, man. It was so, so impressive. So you could say her. You could say Lillard. Look, the guy took home, you know, hardware two different ways, three-point shootout and, and, and you know, All-Star Game MVP. And, look, that stuff all goes on that Wikipedia page, right? It all goes on That's the true. sports reference page, right? So it all goes That's on true. there. Now, now, and we did a, uh, a uh, segment on this today, most pressure on them the rest of the way. I put Lillard in my top five because yeah. he's he's on a team that's expecting to win a championship. No matter how they look now, they paired them up. They expect to win. Every, each and every year, he's paired up with Giannis. They're going to expect to win. He's never come close to it. They're going to need him in a big way. To, he's got to be better than he's been to this point. So I think he's gotten a lot of pressure. So go ahead and enjoy the weekend. He, he took home some hardware. Great. He puts that on his resume. It's awesome. Now he's got to get back and help them. And I've got one last thing about All-Star Weekend. I know who the loser was. We had the winner. I know the big loser was. Jack. Because Jack, he kept ooh. getting because he kept getting dragged out onto the court to get dunked on. It's like, you know, <laughs> and the, he got dunked on like eight different ways in the dunk contest. The dude's just trying to enjoy his night, man. Yeah. Let the guy have a drink. He's got a suit yeah. on. Let him just have a cocktail in his hand and sit there and enjoy the damn contest. He said he's getting sucked out there with GoPros yeah. and everything else because he's such yeah. a massive human being. You want to jump over? I felt bad for him at one point. Like, let, let the guy relax and enjoy the weekend, please. 
Legs, it's so good to have sports power to have basketball back, man. Actual games to talk about. We're done with the theoretical basketball. And people, if you're tuning in for the first time or if you've been tuning in, it only gets better from here. Legs and I love real basketball, real hoops. Real hoops ratchets up a little bit, you know, from now all the way until June. And I can't wait for it. I know this show's only going to get more and more into the weeds as the games teams start to show their hand more. They refine their rotations more. This is where it gets really interesting. And I felt that last night. Uh, you know, watching all the games, seeing all the storylines emerge. I just felt like, man, Great. really Jesus is close started time, for me last night, Adam. See, that was opening night for me. Now it's a sprint. And uh, every every night you're going to see increased level of intensity the rest of the way mm -hmm. and as these teams sort of jockey for seeding. Great games too. Heat Pelicans tonight, Bucks Wolves tonight. Those are great ones. Celtics Knicks on Saturday should be a really good one. And then you get into I'll Sunday. I'll be doing that game, by the way. If you want to watch oh, that right. game, you want to – you want to hear a different call? Go to ESPN Radio, man. I'll be calling the game with Chris Carlin uh, at the Garden. Uh, Celtics next. I can't wait. That's incredible, man. Definitely tune in for that one. And then over the weekend on Sunday, Kings Clippers, Nuggets Warriors, Mavs Pacers, Lakers Suns. All of those are bangers. So we're going to have no shortage of stuff to talk about on Monday. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Hit the like button. Have a good weekend. And then we'll see you on Monday. Like the mayor.